Welcome back, my friend, to episode 19 of the Contours of Permanent Journey podcast, where we'll be talking about the demise of Blockbuster and Kodak. Apologies that it's been about two months since the release of our last episode. Springtime has caused me to be quite busy around the house, and I fell out of my routine of getting out podcasts every other week. Thank you for listening to this podcast show. It has been such a good experience to share knowledge with each other and for the small success I've seen so far with this podcast. Even if nobody listens to the podcast, it has been a joy to do research for the podcast to help me continuously improve and grow in my knowledge. Before we get into the demise of Blockbuster, which is a United States-based video rental store and Kodak cameras, the, de- the catalyst that created the idea of this episode was a quote from Dr. Deming that said, It is not necessary to change. Survival is not mandatory. Now, I don't ever remember reading that in Deming's New Economics or Out of the Crisis books. So I did a little research on this, and technically this quote was not officially published. They're most likely phrases uh, that he used in his lectures, and this was probably one of them, or at least close to a rendition of what he may have said. Others have said that the quote from Deming is actually, Survival is optional. No one has to change. The first impression this quote from Dr. Deming sounds pretty harsh, but it is true. One quote from Out of the Crisis is when Deming did say, Who will survive? Companies that adopt a constancy of purpose for quality, productivity, and service, and go about it with intelligence and perseverance, have a chance to survive. The only survivors will be companies with a constancy of purpose for quality, productivity, and service. Now, if you're not familiar with Deming when he talked about a constancy of purpose, what Deming means by this is organizations need to create a constancy of purpose of continuous improvement to provide long-term success over long-term profitability to stay in business and provide jobs. The new philosophy that Deming requested of organizations is that they adopt a new philosophy where Western management must transform and awake to the challenge of creating a constancy of purpose and learning the responsibilities of taking on the leadership of change. So what happens when an organization decides not to change and keeps their status quo? It is easy to look back in the history of organizations or products that have come and gone. The main trend I see is if you don't improve or change, you most likely will be forgotten. One early example of a quote, who knows if Andy Ford actually said it, but he is claimed to have said that if people asked him what needed to be improved with the horse and buggy, they would have told me that they needed a faster horse. Well, if you're in the buggy building business when cars first mass-produced, what did they do at that time? Well, either they improved or they did not. Those who did not improve lost their business and livelihood. A more modern example is the BlackBerry phone. When smartphones first came out, you would think that that would have caused BlackBerry to worry. But maybe not. Some said that BlackBerry thought that the smartphones were child's toys and were just to play games on. All the great business people at that time had a BlackBerry, and so they buckled down on the feature of having a tactical keyboard that still has a physical button keyboard 
if you wanted to buy a new BlackBerry in 2023 at the time of this recording. I was not sure you could even buy a BlackBerry, but it comes to find out you still can. It looks exactly like a start, uh, like a smartphone. The only difference is that with smartphones, the keyboard disappears off the screen when you don't need it. And with the more recent versions of BlackBerry, it still has a physical keyboard that is always there for you. There are many uh, complicated reasons why some organizations fail, and so I'm not claiming there is one single reason why or some organizations continue to be successful, while others go by the wayside. However, when we think back on organizations that have failed, we might take a lower thought approach and think, well, they were just being stupid. Why did they not change? Now, again, it is more complicated than that. Yes, in hindsight, organizations that were lost to society occurred because of, in some instances, poor choices were made by the leaders of the organizations that otherwise could have led to organizations and different outcomes there. However, I don't think that any leaders of these organizations thought every waking moment of their day that I want to be the worst company ever and always make stupid decisions and run my company to the ground. I don't think they were doing that. And so what it comes down to is that there is a common theme when industries and customers' desires change drastically or when a new product or technology comes along. Existing companies can either choose to buckle down on their current product or technology and deny their baby turned ugly and is no longer wanted, or they can pivot and burn the boat so there is no going back. We either choose to survive or become consumed by competition. An example of burning the boats and not going back is the story of when the humble and quiet Darwin Smith became the CEO of Kimberly Clark. At the time, Kimberly Clark was simply a coded paper producer compared to its competition, Procter & Gamble. Like President George Washington of the United States, who burned the boats when his troops landed on enemy soil, George Washington ordered the boats they came in on to be burned. And so there was no going back. Either his troops would be victorious or die in battle. Similarly, Darwin Smith ordered that all the paper mills would be sold off to fight head-to-head with their competition to pivot and become a producer of consumer products. And so 20 or so years later, Kimberly Clark is now the supplier of popular brands in the United States like Kleenex, Scott, Andrex, and Cottonelle toilet paper, Huggy diapers, and toilet paper towel dispensers that I see in most public and company bathrooms that have surpassed their competition. Another example I think of is the Sears and Roebuck catalog. They were like the Amazon.com of today. I mean, you could buy anything from the Sears and Roebuck catalog. You could even buy manufactured homes that could be delivered. But as times change, how many Sears stores do you see open or go to? It seems that large online retailers like Walmart and Amazon have taken over the industry, and again, when we don't pivot, our competition takes over the market. So we either lag behind or pivot and jumpstart ourselves into a new direction. Sometimes pivoting like that is a huge risk, but one way to look at it is even if they did take the risk, they would have had better odds in succeeding, and even if they did not exist, the organization would have failed anyway, so they would have been better off to die trying. It really just depends on what we, what hard we choose and how history could have become different 
and how these organizations could have still been the ones on top. Now let's talk about the blockbuster movie rental company. They were such a popular business in their day, not only in the United States, but in some countries around the world. VHS rentals were at the core of their business, but ever since the technology of DVDs came along, Blockbuster began to slowly decline. Blockbuster was presented with an offer by Warner Brothers to have the rights to rent new DVDs for a short period of time before they were sold to the public. Warner Brothers would receive the same percentage of revenues they currently agreed upon as a joint venture, but Blockbuster turned the offer down. The industry then responded by lowering the prices of DVDs, and other organizations jumped on the opportunity and became the largest sources of revenue for Warner Brothers in DVD sales. As the turn of century came around and Blockbuster wanted to start a video on demand service, the joint venture ultimately fell through when they were pursuing that. A few years later, Blockbuster tried to do an online DVD subscription and rental model, and Netflix approached Blockbuster to buy their online business. The offer was ultimately turned down, and long story short, that's why you're watching Netflix instead of Blockbuster on your smart TV or internet streaming service, and why Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy in 2010. As a summary of this, it's really a denial of the changes in industry or customer tastes can become our slow and painful downfall. Now, let us move to the story and the downfall of Kodak cameras and camera film. In the 1980s, it brought upon the world many disturbances in customers' tastes between the time when W. Edwards Deming and others came onto the playing field to help Japan bring their industries literally out of the dust from World War II. Over a 30 to 40 year period, Japan went from making junky and cheap products to taking over an estimated half of the electronics industry and a quarter of the automotive industry. It was a hard blow and a a large denial for many American-based organizations. I mean, they had won World War II and no one was better than them, so complacency and self-deception snuck in. It was very different from when Fujifilm entered in the United States market. They were able to offer cameras at a lower price compared to many American-based camera manufacturers like Kodak. At the time, film-based cameras were the only option, so, ironically enough, a Kodak employee was the first to develop a handheld digital camera clear back in 1975. A few employees foresaw that digital cameras would be the future and highly suggested that Kodak pivot and become the leader and the first to market in the digital camera industry. The shift to digital hardware would be a huge learning curve and large investment that would be required to move away from film-based cameras, so the the decision was made not to pursue this. And as film cameras started to fall at the beginning of the turn of the century, Kodak did try to move towards the digital camera market, and a few years later they did become number one in the digital camera industry, but even being number one, they had some underlying issues and as Japanese competition slowed back in, Kodak's profit margins began to shrink as the Japanese could offer a higher quality camera at a lower price. And the rest is history, and as I visited Rochester, New York for a business trip back in February this year, 2023, we drove past large Kodak manufacturing plants that looked deserted. 
with forced lease signs out front. It all comes down to choosing our heart. Either we choose the heart of risk of buckling down and staying on the course with the current way of doing things, product, services, or technology, or choose our heart and the risk of pivoting. We can choose to change and improve or suffer from self-deception and cherish the status quo. Thanks again, my friend, for listening. I'll catch back up with you again in the next episode.